and I am joined on the phone uh, with David Hall. Hey, David. Hi there. Uh, David is a uh, senior researcher with the uh, Policy Observatory uh, uh, up in uh, Auckland at AUT. Uh, completed his PhD at the Politics of University of uh, well, Oxford uh, and is the editor of the new book, uh, Fear Borders, Migration Policy in the 21st Century, which is published by BWB Texts uh, and brings together eight writers. Is that right, David? Uh, I think there's ten of us all up, ten. including myself. Ten all up. Um, and I'm pretty sure that... Uh, this book is over at uh, University Bookshop down here in Dunedin. I know that they do have those little uh, Bridget Williams books there, and they're um, nice and inexpensive as well. I think it's uh, around uh, fifteen dollars. Um, so, is is this is this book uh, about really about New Zealand um, migration or or the larger issues? Yeah, it's connecting the global context with New Zealand um, some of the things that we're seeing at, a, uh, at an international level seem to be replicating to some extent in New Zealand although these things always play out in yeah. their own local way but mm. um, I think one of the one of the overarching issues really is this question of sovereignty and whether countries have control over their borders and over their future and over their direction and I think there's a general sense around the world that that sovereignty is being undermined by the process of globalization and so we're seeing in a lot of countries this kickback, this Mm -hmm. um, blowback against globalization and immigration is one but not all of the ways that this plays out, you know pushback against trade is another one yeah. but immigration is certainly one and, and we seem to be seeing aspects of that appearing in New Zealand people having a concern around controls over immigration, mm. whether we regulate and manage our borders in a way that's appropriate and that reflects the interests of New Zealanders. So the, these, you know, as you say these are these are quite new processes of, of globalisation. What does, what does immigration uh, look like for New Zealand at the moment? Is it, you know, is it your parents' immigration or is it a, a different kind of beast? Yeah, there's historically there's certainly um, unique elements of today's immigration, but, you know, the immigration story and to some extent the globalisation story is a, is a long one for New Zealand with um, the British arriving here mm-hmm. as part of the early imperial globalization under a sort of, you know, forms of colonialism. So um, that was one kind of immigration that we've had, and now we've got a a different kind of immigration which is focused a lot more on on economics and having a flexible workforce. Um, And we're seeing, seeing that play out, especially in recent years, in the transition to a much higher proportion of temporary visas being granted, so people no longer come here to live and make a life for themselves like they did in earlier parts of New Zealand, um, earlier periods. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, we're seeing this shift to um, getting in migrants for specific work and, and on temporary permits sometimes a year, and now the government's proposing to you know, put a put a limit even on how long temporary migrants can yeah. stay here, that there'd be a three-year limit and then they'd have to leave the country for a year. So 
all of this shift towards a more temporary workforce that we um, attract through migration. How do, you, how do you think this is all being kind of reflected in the political discussion at the moment in the, in the discourse during an election year? Well, um, one of the issues is that it it's always comes out very simplistic. Yeah. <laughs> um, migration is an incredibly complicated issue, um, and there's a lot of different ways of approaching it and a lot of different ways of understanding it. My angle is as a political theorist, so I focus more on borders and the Mm-hmm. you know the ethical justifications of borders and and um and then the social scientist in me is interested in those impacts as well um but yeah the story of those impacts is incredibly complicated and you know a lot of economists study these impacts and it's it's hard for them to draw conclude you know very firm conclusions with much confidence even you know basic things like you hear migrants are taking people's jobs this is a common thing but it's very hard to pin that down as a general proposition currently in New Zealand um, unemployment levels overall unemployment levels have been dropping since around 2009 even though immigration net migration at that point is has gone up quite steeply in the last few years and, and mm. actually was in a dip in to net migration around 2011 and 12 so there's no obvious correlation there between total unemployment and and migration, but you know even even that would be too simplistic because if you go down to the level of particular jobs, then people may well be um, finding effects there. You know, the we have a recognised seasonable season employer scheme, um, which is especially focused on bringing in migrants from the Pacific region to work on um, vineyards and in horticulture more generally and y- you know there is a, there is anecdotal evidence that um yeah. that those migrants are indeed pushing out people in that particular sector but mm. obviously at at an overall level that doesn't seem to be happening so yeah it it sounds like you know government and uh, policy experts mm. like yourself have you know, have a, a very a complicated uh, kind of um, issue to to look at here. Yeah, yeah, um, it, it is incredibly complicated. But then the people's concerns are, are really sincere and genuine. That mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. I think people have concerns about where New Zealand is heading. They're feeling genuine stress around housing or living costs or or job security. You, you know, there, there's yeah. no denying that those are real. That's real social reality. That's real. You know, there's real suffering out there. It's it's just the connection between immigration and those things, which yeah, right. is a lot more complicated than it seems. And often, if you're going to address these problems, the best and most effective route is is to focus on the policy around those problems. So, if you want to fix housing, you focus on housing policy rather than focus on immigration which is is sort of adjacently related and Mm. but but related in complicated ways yeah so so immigration's kind of impact maybe gets maybe gets kind of overemphasized when it comes to the housing crisis you think i I feel that's the case i mean there's no there's no question that the immigrate that the increased immigration adds to demand for housing yeah but as as the major parties also recognise, 
immigration is also related to housing supply because there aren't enough workers in the construction industry to create the houses that are needed in Auckland in particular. Mm. Um, so immigration is related in, in a sense to both demand and supply. Um, so the relationship is always more complicated. And, the, and y- you know, the problem with housing, which is a problem of housing affordability, as the um, the Auckland Mayoral Task Force recently released a report, and they identified that problem taking off in the 1990s, in the early 1990s. That's when the, this trend towards, um, you know, increased housing prices and housing affordability problems started and has just gathered momentum since then. And net migration levels have gone up and down and up and down during that period. So, so if you want to address the causes then you have to really take that long-term, more holistic perspective because there are underlying issues here that fiddling around with immigration won't help. Mm. Mm. And and so, it, you know, I'm guessing this is a larger. There's a larger um, global pattern here in terms of um, an, an increased appetite for state, um, I guess, fiddling around or intervention uh, in to well, I guess, um, control the these these uh, effects of globalisation. Do you think, yep. you know, the, the state still has, a, you know, talking about sovereignty, still has a place in this kind of thing? Yeah, this the state will have a place because it makes itself a place. So there's no, <laughs> there's no doubt that state um, controlling their borders is going to be a, a, a continuing feature of, of, of politics just because the state hasn't yet been dissolved by... Um, globalization so it will keep playing a role but i think i think one of the questions to keep in mind is that borders aren't just around nation states Mm -hmm. you know it's easy to think of a border as you know the new zealand coastline or or the um the customs gates at the airports or maybe even our exclusive economic zone you know you think of borders like that but actually borders cut around it and through nation states and they and they also go even wider you know you think you know we're all lucky enough to have or some of us are lucky enough to have new zealand passports and so we're part of this visa waiver Mm. network which of, of states which makes it much easier to travel you know within the developed world um and so you know in a in a sort of a loose sense, there's a border around all of these nations within this visa waiver agreement that we, that we have, you know, more open borders to us that that aren't available to people outside. And then, you know, within New Zealand, there are also borders between people who are citizens and who are not not citizens and who have different rights and different kinds of access to social services. Um, mm. So, glob- and so once you start to think of that in the way that borders play out in lots of different ways, you can also start to think of the way that different kinds of authorities that aren't the state that might be larger or smaller than the state can also control borders right. and can control. And I think that's how things are increasingly going to head. Yeah. Yeah, so so globalization kind of it doesn't really dissolve borders it rather kind of just rejigs them around and and, and yeah, yeah, diversifies borders and um, and and multiplies borders. And and there's there's borders at yeah just different scales and that have different functions. So I think this is one of the things just to keep in mind when you think about yeah. migration is is the way that these borders 
cut across different parts of the population. An, an issue which sadly wasn't addressed in the book, but, but I would have loved to have included, was is the border around health requirements. So for, to, to apply for a visa in New Zealand, you meet, need to meet certain health requirements. And we've had these quite high-profile high cases in New Zealand recently. There was a family in Geraldine um, who, the, the, a young girl, she was, I think, five years old, and she had something called global development disorder, which blindness was one of the issues. And so while all her family got residence visas, this little five-year-old girl didn't get a residence visa, and so she wow. has to leave. The family doesn't. Of course, the family will have to leave, though, because yeah. essentially what New Zealand has done is drawn a border straight through the middle of this family. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, to bring it back to the title of the book, is this a border that we would consider as fair? I mean, personally, I don't think that's fair at all. I think that's awful, frankly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and... And so I think these are these are sorts of things when we have a debate about migration that we should be thinking about as well, because these are the sorts of impacts that that, that are created um, by migration policy. And I think, you know, it obviously has an impact on on a family like this, and it has an impact on disabled people who aren't able to come into the country because of this mm. health requirements, even though they, you know, you know, they might have private means to look after themselves or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. Where where do we where do we see g- good models for fairer borders a- around the world? Well, I, I mean, I, I don't think all of New Zealand's borders are are unfair. There's, there's yeah. plenty that are there's plenty that are fair. But this is, I guess, what I'm saying is that migration policy is an incredibly complex space with lots of different visas mm-hmm. that all have different justifications and different economic impacts mm. and so it yeah the, the question of yeah the question is, is a difficult one because <laughs> you sort of have to look at look at each visa on its merits and see whether it's fair or not and, and I like this idea of um, fairness is even-handedness and an idea that for something to be fair it has to be even-handed and it has to <laughs> be justifiable to all people who it affects. So that would include New Zealand residents and New Zealand citizens, but it would also include people on the other side of the border. So a border that's going to be fair is is one that we might be able to justify to people on both sides of the border. And and as far as migration policy goes, you, you know, we, we treat it in an even-handed manner by the way that we we really investigate what sorts of impacts the border is actually having and we really take that into consideration when right. we think about migration policy and we think about these borders and whether they're fair and is, whether they're justifiable. Is migration your main focus at the moment up at the policy observatory? Uh, so my research agenda is is migration and also climate change, okay. um, which may seem like two quite unrelated topics. They go they, hand in hand, don't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm a political theorist, so that's obviously related, but I also have a background in geography, so they're both classic mm. geographic questions, really, about how people interact with space um, and place. Mm. And um, and to bring it back to that sovereignty issue again, yeah. um, 
you know, climate change is also this issue which threatens these ideas of state sovereignty because, you know, our emissions aren't contained within a state. They, they spill out into this global aggregate problem that, that all nations have to face, and the effects of these aren't distributed evenly um, throughout the world either, like countries that are closer to the equator tend to have much more severe effects from climate change as, as the... Um, as, as the predictions and modelling suggest. Mm. Um, so, yeah, the both, both questions, both of these problems of climate change and, 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 and how we address migration are both related to these questions of, of where state sovereignty stands today and how much it helps or hinders us in addressing these things. And in a sense, it's no coincidence that, um, you know, someone like the US President Donald Trump, his attitudes to both of these issues are, are very much he, he's very much an opponent of yeah. doing anything to do with climate change and he's also an opponent to open borders because you know both of these threaten this idea of the of the nation state as, as having having control of its borders and having control about its own destiny and not owing other nations things Mm. About about that backlash that we you know, and this is is the the big question of at the moment, um, the big probably oversimplified question is is where does that backlash go in terms of its its um, its its survival? I mean, its its um, success in kind of fighting back against a, a, a globalized we're all in it together kind of message. Well, this is uh, this is a question for history, really. I mean, there's no guessing how this is going to play out. Um, yeah. But obviously, there's nothing there's there's nothing um, in in destiny about the way that things will happen. I mean, I I tend to think of these things not as mutually opposed. Um, you know, you know, the idea of nationalism and globalization. They're not. They're not these. It's not really an either-or offer right. or, a, or a switch. Mm. They're really two forces or tensions that that push and pull against one another. And um, yeah, not, neither probably will ever entirely win the day. They they're, they're just these tensions in the way that we structure the world. That um, yeah, yeah, that, that 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 can't really be overcome. It's sort of part of the the paradox of politics that paradoxes of politics that, that that often these issues that often underlie these issues yeah yeah um <clears throat> back to new zealand just to, to finish i i saw you writing about the umr research poll yeah. and i i wonder what your your general feeling about about new zealand perception of all these issues what is and, and what your what, what your key takeaways from that were yeah, so New Zealand is um, is generally favourable towards immigration uh, as a, as a general rule, um, mm. but but there's there's very much a, there's very much a split. Like if if the the UMR surveys showed that essentially New Zealand citizens are, are divided by. 25% who are really strong think think that immigration is a negative thing, a strongly negative thing, and then 31% see it as strongly positive. So there's a slight 
um, outweighing of people who treat it as strongly positive rather than strongly negative. But then the majority of people sit in this middle section, which is around 42%, and that has been described by a UK think tank, um, British Future, as, as the anxious middle who <laughs> sees the pros and the cons of immigration. And I think that's really the key issue, is that we have these rumps of people who are either really strongly against or really strongly for migration. But then so much of the politics really steers towards this middle group who can see a little bit of both sides of the of the story. Um, and, and they can shift around depending on, you know, global events or, or local events or the way that issues are framed. Um, I think, you know, the, the rising levels of, of social social stress in New Zealand, um, you, you know, could contribute to a tip towards negative views towards migration. And I think that's something to keep in mind, you know, in the next few months as to how the issue gets framed. If, if, yeah. if that case is really made, then people will change, you know, could, could start to harden their positions towards borders. So, you know, there's a re- real responsibility on all of us to you know, by all means have a conversation, but um, to be responsible in that conversation because, you know, drawing some of these links we were talking about earlier between immigration and and, uh, the impacts, um, that can really harden people's positions towards not just immigration, but immigrants themselves. Mm. And and that can be a really problematic thing in a country like New Zealand where, you know, roughly a quarter of the population were born outside of New Zealand. So, there's a there's a lot to lose by pitting people against one another. Yeah, yeah, that that's probably um, kind of my feeling about it. Is is is, is how you say that, that you know <laughs> there are human lives, um, you know, below below these headlines and and all that kind of thing. And as you say, this middle group, I think I think that's probably and, and people might be surprised by this, but you know, people who can actually sit, you, you know, go like, well. You know, immigration might be putting a strain on things, but you know, it, 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 you know, it makes us, um, you know, culturally richer and, and that kind of thing. I think exactly. Is, yeah, yeah. I think I think people are, you know, people are smart. They understand that this isn't a black or white issue. Mm. This, there, there's trade-offs involved, and and that's really the key thing. Is like we have to because it's really easy to throw the baby out with the bathwater. <laughs> We've yeah. seen that. You know, in the UK, where Theresa May in 2010, you know, made a pledge to reduce immigration to under 100,000, they've never even got close to that. And and by trying to do so, they've had to cut down on all kinds of immigration that everyone agrees uh, are beneficial for the country, especially in tertiary education, which is, um, you know, a big part of the British economy, actually. Mm. So it's very easy to muddle up the issues and yeah. and... And to and to you know end up with results which are quite self sabotaging. But if you if you present the issues in a way where people see what's going on and that it's a matter of making the right sorts of trade offs, then I think that that's a more helpful way to go. But it requires a more sophisticated conversation than we often end up having. Yeah, uh, David, thank, thanks for um, talking to us about this. Um, and uh, congratulations on the uh, the new book that you've uh, edited there. All right, thanks, mate. All good.
that's David Hall there, uh, senior researcher uh, with the Policy Observatory up in AUT, up in Auckland. Um, and as I said, uh, fear borders, question mark, migration policy in the 21st century is a new um, book, little book with a whole bunch of different authors uh, published by BWB Techs, which you can get from UBS down here in Dunedin uh, and all good bookstores. Um, it's 27 past one here on the Download Circus uh, with me, George Elliott. Uh, you're on the one. <laughs> 